from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, commencing at verse 25. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as though they had none. Those who mourn, as if they did not. Those who are happy, as if they were not. Those who buy something, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world, as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is acting improperly toward the virgin he's engaged to, and if she's getting along in years, and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who's made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry does even better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Margaret. Let's um, spend some time praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time in this letter and uh, once again we, we come to a passage 
that will no doubt be close uh, to our hearts for, for a number of us here this morning. Father, please give us great wisdom, uh, give us understanding. Help us to remember that you're, you're a Lord who uh, knows our very situations, uh, who knows everything about us, and help us to hear as you intend to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Should I get married? Should I get married? It, says, it just definitely feels weird saying that. Uh, it's a question that I imagine all of us will ask at some stage in life. Uh, we might ask it generally, wondering if it would be a good thing for us to do at, at some stage, or we might ask it more specifically with a particular person in mind. Should I get married? Uh, it's amazing the way our culture drives us to ask that kind of question. Our culture tells us that being single means being alone, that being single is the biggest problem one can face in life. At times, those nearest and dearest to us uh, accidentally lead us to believe that. I was speaking to a, a lovely Christian man the other day who, who doesn't go to church here, uh, and he was telling me about his daughter, and the only thing he really said about her was that she needs to get married. Now, obviously, he wants what's best for her, but sometimes there's an assumption marriage is what's best for a person. And that can often be the underlying uh, attitude that, that many of us have. Marriage is what's best. To be single is to miss out on what is best. And we start to believe that singleness means being alone, even though we might be blessed with many wonderful friendships outside the marriage relationship. At other times, we're led to believe that if we don't have a particular role as a husband or a wife or a mother or father, then we have no value, as if our worth can only exist within those roles, even though we already have a worth uh, as those made in God's image. Sometimes we're led to believe that if we desire marriage enough, if we go looking for it, then it will happen for us. God will make it happen. And that can sometimes lead to regrettable choices. Maybe we end up marrying the first person that comes along, regardless of whether they have a, a solid faith or whether they're actually suitable for us. Other times we're led to believe that being married will bring us happiness and, and fulfilment in life. We've all seen the movies where people's lives are transformed when they find the one. All our problems go away and it's, it's pure joy from that moment onwards. And while marriage is a, a wonderful thing, in reality, as, as sinful people, marriage tends to magnify our problems rather than taking them away. And we can get so bombarded with these kinds of attitudes, can't we? And the worst part is we can end up believing them at some level. And if we're single, it can lead to uh, really strong feelings of, of disappointment. It can even make us feel like we're letting others down. And we start to think that we're missing out. And at some point or another, we, we all ask that question, should I get married? Now this morning, we're looking at a text where the Apostle Paul is addressing that very question. It's a question that the Corinthians have written to him about, and Paul gives the Corinthians three very important things that will help them answer that question for themselves. Uh, two small things I want us to remember before we uh, look at these verses. Firstly, this, this passage doesn't tell us everything that the Bible has to say in terms of how we answer that question should I get married? But what Paul does say in this passage is 
God's word to us. So I pray that we will hear and, and accept and be changed by God's teaching as we work our way through. That we wouldn't try and sidestep what he has to say to us here. Uh, secondly, Paul is writing to the church for their collective benefit. And so if you're someone here who's not currently wrestling with this question, remember that you have brothers and sisters who are. And remember, you never know when you may find yourself wrestling with that question in the future. And so there's good reason for us all to think about these words this morning. Should I marry? Should I get married? Uh, The first thing Paul says when you try and answer that question, keep an eternal perspective. Keep an eternal perspective. This is uh, verses 25 to 31. And there are three verses in particular that help highlight Paul's encouragement to think of eternity. The first is in verse 26 where Paul mentions this present crisis. Uh, Someone I know was once uh, a witness to an attempted robbery at a hair salon of all places. Uh, Now the person had to give a statement at the police station a few days later and when said person arrived they were surprised that they were greeted with laughter because the police had been given video footage uh, from the shop and during the attempted robbery uh, the video showed Lilia swinging in her chair, smiling and sipping her coffee. Now fortunately nothing came of this attempted robbery but sometimes in a crisis it pays to keep calm and carry on. And that's essentially, that's essentially Paul's advice for the Christians in Corinth. Verse 26, he says, remain as you are. When Paul talks about the present crisis, uh, some people think he was referring to a, a famine that was happening in Corinth, which uh, people get from some of the other writings around the same time. Others have suggested that it was persecution that he was talking about, uh, which was particularly brutal in the, in the first century under Nero, although that was probably a little bit after Paul wrote this letter. Uh, we can't really be sure about either of those suggestions because Paul doesn't say. Uh, another option is that he's talking generally about the state of the world and he sees things as, as being in crisis. And he explains it in verse 29 when he says, what I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. And then in verse 31 he says, this world in its present state is passing away. I think this, this, this crisis refers to the period of time that the Corinthians found themselves in. They were living between Christ's first coming and his return. Jesus had already uh, come and, and lived and died and rose from the grave and ascended to heaven. That was in the past. But now they were waiting the day when Christ would return. A day that we're still waiting for. A day when the world as we know it will come to an end and it will be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth. That's a day in the future. But why would Paul refer to it as a crisis? Well, I imagine it's because there are many more people in this world who are dying apart from God than there are people who die knowing him as their saviour. And if that's the case, then the time is short. There's an urgency to share the hope that Jesus brings with others. Uh, And that's exactly what Paul devoted his life to doing. Jesus said that his return would be sudden. He would come like a thief in the night. And I think that's why Paul says it's good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. 
And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. Remember last week some of the Corinthians uh, were making out like marriage and, and sex within marriage was a bad thing and, and should have been avoided. Uh, that wasn't the case as we saw. But if you do happen to get married, you will face many troubles in life. You've got two sets of, of families to think about. It's, it's two sinful people becoming one. Uh, a lot of the decisions you, you once made on your own, you now have to make in consideration of your spouse. Marriage is the right decision for some, but not for others. Uh, one commentator puts it like this. Our ultimate concern should be to place ourselves where we can actively minister and help accomplish God's work and purpose on earth. And as inviting and appealing as marriage might be, some things in life are more important than being married. Marriage, as good as it is, is not the be-all and end-all. And when we answer that question, should I marry, uh, perhaps a helpful thing to consider is whether you'd be better off pursuing Christ with any potential spouse or whether you'd be better off pursuing him single. The time is short. The priorities of a, a Christian who has eternity in mind should be very different to the priorities of someone who is only living for this life. And that is the picture we get from verses 29 to 31. From now on, those who have wives should live as though they have none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. Uh, he covers a lot in those three verses. Marriage, death, happiness, possessions, the resources of the world. Uh, this, war, this world in its present form is passing away. So don't get carried away. Remember, we'll, we'll leave everything in this world behind and only heavenly treasures will be of lasting value. And when we use the many good things that God has given us in this world, we do so knowing how easily we can become kind of engrossed in them. It's a very different perspective that the gospel of Jesus gives us as we, as we think about these things in life. If we're holding on to the things of this world so tightly, uh, maybe we've lost perspective of eternity. At St. Stephen's, uh, we'll, we'll be in a variety of, of circumstances. Some of us will, will find these circumstances very difficult. Some won't be married and will want to be married. Uh, others may be in a difficult marriage. Others still may have gone through a divorce. And I do want to remind us this morning that no matter our current circumstances, no, ma no matter what they may be, God understands it. He knows what we are feeling and he cares deeply for us. He loves us. And it's in light of that understanding that Paul can say, whatever your personal circumstances may be, keep on trying to understand them in light of eternity. And if we're able to do that, we'll see that in many ways, ultimately it doesn't matter whether we're married, whether we're single. So that's Paul's first point. Keep an eternal perspective. Uh, you might have picked up that Paul wants the Corinthians to be very thorough when they think about uh, answering this question, should I marry? And if it seems as though Paul isn't as encouraging of marriage as we might have expected, uh, we see why in the second point. There is value in having an undivided focus. 
There is value in having an undivided focus. Verses 32 to 35. And here Paul explains his thinking. He says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. And that's often the case, isn't it? A married Christian is is divided in their interests in in a way that an unmarried Christian isn't. That's obviously not to say that single Christians don't have interests that are outside the Lord's work as well. They may have more interests than others. Uh, One guy puts it like this. No one should ever enter the covenant of marriage without understanding the immense amount of time and energy involved in making that relationship work. Uh, We need to face the fact that we cannot do many of the things Paul did and be married. Think about Christians who you know. For a married person, the time that they're able to give to the Lord's affairs is generally shorter. Now, of course, a a number of our single brothers and sisters have just as much, if not more, things that demand their time and attention. But generally speaking, it's much harder for a married person to to throw themselves into the affairs of the Lord than a single person. Uh, I think of a, a number of gifted uh, Christian speakers. Uh, We're very fortunate in New Zealand that uh, our country is so appealing because we're often blessed with having people from overseas come and preach for us. Now when it comes to this type of itinerant ministry, a single person is in a much better position to be able to do it. Of course it's not that straightforward and obviously people have different uh, capacities and, and commitments But it's much easier to up and leave, to go to the other side of the world, to to speak on a fairly regular basis if you're single. It becomes a lot harder if you've got to consider a spouse, uh, if you have to consider children even. Uh, Over the years I've I've heard of some wonderful uh, Christian mission initiatives that are often started and driven by Christian singles. And on the flip side I've also heard of a number of missionaries who uh, have had to cut their uh, time serving overseas short in consideration of their children or for schooling or for other reasons as they've gotten older. Now it's not just uh, mission work, is it? It's also the everyday work of the Lord that takes place all around us. I'm sure we've all benefited from having uh, godly Christians, married or single, in our lives. Uh, I've personally benefited from the ministry of of some single Christians who've, who've been able to give themselves to the work of the Lord and have been such an encouragement in ways that a married person uh, simply wouldn't have been able to. They've been able to give more time to a particular ministry, or they've been uh, loving friends to others, almost dropping everything at times of crisis. Now in these verses, Paul is is raising some of these challenges. Uh, Christians who are married have a responsibility to their spouses and families, and to try and keep up with Christians who are single can can actually be a mistake. It can be a rejection of the responsibility that God has given us. If we're only ever concerned about uh, with the Lord's affairs, and and if that doesn't include a concern for our families as well, then that's an issue. It's right for a married person to have uh, divided interests. But as a Christian, our first commitment is to the Lord. And that means we'll be interested in the work that he's doing. If we never show an interest or involvement in the work of the Lord, all in the name of caring for our families, then we need to ask whether we are remembering our commitment to the Lord above all else. 
Remember Jesus said, anyone who loves father or, father or mother, son or daughter more than me, is not worthy of me. It's worth remembering that uh, if we're married. But it's also worth remembering a married person will spend a significant time trying to please their spouse. And if you throw children in the mix, uh, into the mix, that's, that's another bag of concerns. Some of the most straightforward tasks in a day can become a mountain to overcome. Uh, someone this week sent Lilia a video of, of uh, a comedian, Michael uh, McIntyre, and he's doing this video of a, a skit about getting out the door. And when a married couple with kids attempts, uh, attempts to leave the house, there's yelling, there's bribery, there are missing items of clothing, there is strong resistance. Uh, and it's a very funny clip if you've ever seen it or get a chance to watch it. A lot of what he says is true. Married people can't avoid giving time and energy to their spouses and any children they have. They don't have the same freedom as a, as a single Christian in that sense, the same focus. There is value in an undivided focus, which is why Paul says, in some cases, it's actually better to remain single. Of course, it's not sinful should you choose to get married, but don't go into marriage unaware of some of these costs. Time is already short. Uh, marriage will make it feel shorter as you think of this wonderful responsibility that you're committing to. Now Paul finishes this section in, in verse 35 saying, uh, saying in verse 35, uh, and we see something of his motives. It's not to restrict them, but it's for their good. Now you might have noticed something as we've gone through the verses so far. Uh, Paul isn't rigid, rigid in his instruction, is he? He gives some suggestions, but he does it in a way that ultimately shows the amount of freedom that we have uh, as Christians and that the Corinthians had regarding their circumstances. And it's a freedom uh, yeah, that all of us have. When we're answering that question, should I marry, God gives us freedom. But he also wants us to know, whatever decision we make will impact our devotion to the Lord. There is freedom, but there is also great wisdom in what Paul is saying. That's point two, the value of an undivided focus. Uh, the third and final point that Paul makes, he shows that what he has just suggested won't be for everyone. final thing that the Corinthians and anyone who's asking this question needs to consider is the importance of personal holiness. The importance of personal holiness. Uh, this is verses 36 to 40. And he gives three different scenarios that might come up in life. And we see that singleness is not always the better choice. The first scenario is in verse 36 uh, and involves a, a man who is engaged to a woman. And if he's acting improperly towards her, perhaps there's a, a level of intimacy that should only happen within a marriage. Or if she is getting on in years and he thinks they should get married, then he should go through with it rather than being that couple that's forever engaged. He says, get married. And he mentions the woman's age. Uh, I take it that's in case they intend to try and have children. If he wants to marry, it's not a sinful thing to do. It's right. And you've probably seen scenarios like this. Uh, the time, there, there comes a time in a relationship where either it will progress towards marriage or it will come to an end. Uh, a word on this, it, it's good to consider the other person's needs in this type of situation and, and kind of not drag things out unnecessarily. 
Now the second scenario also involves a man engaged to a woman. But this man is content, not struggling like the first man. And actually he comes to realize that maybe it's better for God's kingdom if he is single. And he decides to break off this engagement. He also does the right thing. In fact, Paul says he does even better. And I imagine that's because it will allow this man to be undivided in his focus. Now you might think, when would someone ever do something like that? Uh, Many of you will know the Englishman John Stott, uh, and I imagine a number of you will have read some of his books. Uh, And by all accounts, he was a gifted writer and and a faithful pastor, and he was also a man who never married. He lived 90 fruitful years. And here's his own words from when he did a similar thing. Uh, In spite of rumours to the contrary, I have never taken a solemn vow or heroic decision to remain single. On the contrary, like most people, I was expecting to marry one day. In fact, during this period, I twice began to develop a relationship uh, with a lady who I thought might be God's choice of life partner for me. But when when the time came to make a decision, I can best explain it by saying that I lacked an assurance from God that he meant me to go forward. And so I drew back. Looking back with the benefit of hindsight, I think I know why. I could never have travelled or ridden as extensively as I have done if I had the responsibilities of a wife and a family. Now in Stott's situation, he made the decision to remain single because of his relationship with God, to please him, to do what he knew was right, in his situation, in God's sight, to be holy. Uh, And it's a wonderful testimony. Now, the third scenario we see is in verses 39 to 40, where Paul says, a woman is bound in marriage, but if her husband dies, then she's free to marry again. But her spouse must belong to the Lord. And it shows again that our holiness matters to God. Whether the woman marries or remains as she is, It's her relationship with God that matters. Paul says if you marry, marry a Christian man because that will help you grow in holiness and godliness. Marry someone who is also concerned with God's kingdom, who has eternity in mind. Uh, I know of some wonderful uh, second marriages as a result of being widowed that have been God-honoring and very much encouraging for the sake of the kingdom, very much having eternity in mind. So we've seen this morning uh, three things that Christians should consider if we're ever trying to answer that question, should I marry? We must keep in mind eternity. Uh, We must see the value of an undivided focus. And we must realise the importance of personal holiness. Should I marry? Uh, We've seen that a Christian must answer this question in a very different way to the world around us. We don't answer it out of desperation or because our our friends or or families or other Christians are are nagging us about it. We don't pursue marriage just because that's what the world tells us we need to do. But we do answer it by listening to God. If we answer that question with these things in mind, then then whether we marry or whether we remain single, uh, we can have confidence that we are honouring God in the situation that he has placed us. And I pray each of us would be able to do that.
and encourage others as they seek to answer that question as well. Amen.